Yeah, so Rhonda has a lot of experience with theology of the body, and she has a bunch of teenagers of her own. And I think that is what led her into this um, niche of wanting to coach people so that they're not having this these addictions, and particularly the porn one. But of course, it could be all different ones that you could have this approach for that she's going to talk about. But I know... Um, I think everybody here except me has has a teen boy. Nicole Urban is only like eleven or twelve, right? Oh, can you hear that in February? Okay, yeah. Okay, Rhonda, should I delete the other one of you? The one that doesn't have a microphone? Yes, please. Okay. All right. And then let me just do that real quick and then you'll be able to get going. I can't see anybody. I'm, I'm not used to using Zoom on my phone. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Although, on the upside, the audio can be even better. Okay. Um, if, it's an, if it's an iPhone, the audio should be very nice. Sometimes I do it for that reason on purpose, but... Yeah. Okay. I'm going to remove one of you. Hopefully, it doesn't remove both of you. Okay. I think we're good. Um, so, actually, Rhonda, if you swipe to the left, you should be able to see whoever see us although nobody's showing their video right now i'll show mine if that makes but can you see everybody if you swipe left well i can see yeah i can see your green trees i can yeah. see christina bonnie nicole and sarah yeah exactly yeah okay. <clears throat> oh and bonnie's oldest son is just 11 too okay so yeah you want to just go ahead and introduce yourself here everybody but me has boys and okay <laughs> very curious to hear what you have to say yeah. Hi. Good morning, everybody. My name is Rhonda. I am a Catholic homeschooling mother of three. I have daughters who are 14 and 16 and a 12-year-old son. And I am um, I'm a homeschool mama and, um, and also a certified teacher. I've been teaching for the past 23 years now. And um, I recently became certified as a life coach and really have felt a call to use my life coaching skills and my experience in education to help people learn more about um, theology of the body and um, and how that intersects with sort of parenting and pornography and and issues in that space. And I don't know if you you could were on when I told them this, but I told them that you were in the process of developing a course for parents specifically yes. to be more prepared. And if you'd want to talk about that and sure. uh, maybe they'll have some questions for you too. Yes, I'd love to hear your questions and get your feedback, actually. The, I'm developing a course, a series of courses. The first one is Porn Proof Your Kids, and it's obviously for parents. And then I also am developing courses like an SOS support for spouses, and what to do if you discover that your spouse is using pornography and how to get the support that you need through that uh, sort of experience and process. And then the next one is Porn Free for Life, which is for uh, people who use pornography and struggle with using pornography. And that will explain exactly, exactly how to quit and um, 
give you the give the information that people need to stop using porn. And then I'm hoping to launch courses that are similar to what Jen to what you do, Jen, where there'll be sort of a, a course for teen girls and a course for teen boys where they can um, can learn about um, about issues around porn in a in a very safe and um, Catholic environment. So the first first course that I'm working on, and I've, I've got it all in development, is um, yeah, porn proof your kids, and oh, it's exciting! <laughs> I can't wait to get it out and live. Um, I'm hoping you guys can give me some feedback on um, on maybe the structure and the content, and and see if it would um, yeah, what what feedback you guys have. So. People all muted. Does anybody have any questions? Well, I remember when we were talking, you said that um, it, people could be overconfident about their tech protections mm -hmm. and tech savvy kids will, who are motivated will tend to find ways to work around them. Yeah, anybody who's motivated can, it's so easy to get around, to get around the tech. Even I can do it. <laughs> so. <laughs> um, <laughs> so what do you feel like is at the core of por porn proofing? It's more of a mindset, right? That mm -hmm. they're not to seek comfort. Yeah. I, I really honestly believe that if kids know who God is, who they are, what sex is truly in Catholic terms, not in modern culture terms, what sex is and what sin is, that if they truly know that, that when they encounter porn, it's just such, it's just a disgust. It just disgusts them. It's just like a total turnoff to them because they know they're so well-formed that they know that it's wrong and that that it's repulsive to them. So, so in that sense, in that scenario, the porn itself um, is a deterrent, right? Like it's something that's just not attractive at all. Because once you know who God is, who you are, what sex is, and what sin is, um, porn is just not. It's just not something that you you're you want right like it's your natural um reaction to it is one that would push it push you away from it in a good way right it would be a sign of being well formed i think that that sorry i think that that is a just a much stronger foundation to be working from because it's internal it's founded on the truth and it's not relying on external filters. And that's when I think external filters actually become um, the best is when they come in and support um, and support you in um, lessening your exposure instead of um, people relying on them as the means to uh, sort of prevent prevent kids getting interested in that kind of thing do you know what I mean yeah yeah um 
it one thing so i've had i had a teenage boy years ago where the mom said can you answer all every question he has his dad doesn't want to talk to him and i don't want to talk to him about this because it's so awkward but he knows you i've known the family for a decade at that point and we went on zoom like this with no video yeah. and i answered yeah. all the questions some of the questions he had li literally did make me blush which is fortunate to see each other but he he had questions like well what do i do when i'm talking to girls because i can't not notice their bodies and i and you know and he was so sweet about it um and very honest obviously which i'm sure is and i said it yeah you're gonna notice her body um many girls have beautiful bodies and hopefully she's dressing in a way that doesn't make it even more challenging for you but you're just going to try to keep drawing your attention back to her personality. Just don't dwell on her body. You can't not see it. That is how, that's how nature gets us to make babies, right? You just can't not yeah. notice it. But uh, is there anything else you would tell a boy in that situation? Oh, I would want to really reassure him that it's, like like you did that it's normal and it's natural to find the human body and the female body beautiful and that um i just would really want to encourage him not to feel i actually and, and just to affirm the question do you know what i mean like even the fact that he's answering that he's asking that question is a sign that that he's well formed do you know what i mean right, right yeah he wants to respect her and yeah as a person exactly so i would just really um really um encourage him like and affirm that in him like i love that you're asking that question that is the perfect question to be asking right now because it shows that you understand that she's more than a body right but your body is going to um is going to react to her physical presence and you want to know um how to how to manage that in a way that's holy and respectful for both of you. Um, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, I would really celebrate the question even. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it was, it was very sweet and endearing and, and, but he was also kind of saying, well, how do I, how do I get to know girls? Because he didn't quite say it this way, but because every time I'm around girls, I like, I'm totally aroused and it awkward. Right. And, um, yeah, yeah. that joke of a teenage boy walking through the hallway with like his books covering, you know, <laughs> covering his his groin because he's having, you know, issues like just like regulating that. Um, but I, I think that's really sort of part of part of the process of maturing into manhood. And that can be part of the question, too, is, you know, part of becoming a man in and being a young man is learning um, this, this part here. So you can, um, would be something I would tell my son. Yeah. He's not interested in girls right now. So I haven't got that far yet, but, um, it, it seems like with, with, um, these programs like Exodus 90 or something that, you know, yeah. are designed for boys that they seem to benefit from they're really emphasizing discipline and that the discipline that rising to that challenge of, of managing all of this is a key part of becoming a man, like you said, um, especially the very intense discipline that's required 
and deciding where to put some of that energy in a, that's a healthy way, like into exercise or yeah. some other competitive thing. Yeah. And I think it can be helpful just to normalize it and just say, oh, I'm, you know, I want to have a conversation with this, with this person, but I'm feeling aroused. I'm going to choose to focus on the words that she's saying. I'm going to choose to focus on um, her ideas. I'm going to choose to focus on her face, um, what have you. And I'm, that's where I'm going to put my attention. And for the next 15 minutes, you know, I'm just going to engage in this conversation and, and think about that. And it's, it's really just like any time that our thoughts or our feelings or our bodies distract us. Um, I don't know, like sometimes you, you'll have distractions during mass, right? And um, what I do is when I find myself not listening or, or not processing is I just, I just repeat what they're saying in my mind. So if my attention is wandering during, say, church, I just repeat the words that the priest is saying in my head. Um, so I think that would be effective in a conversational type of situation, too, is if I'm talking to someone and I'm distracted by their physical body or by my attraction to them, um, just to just make a decision, just like to name it and say, okay, this is okay. I'm feeling attracted to them. I'm going to focus on the conversation and I'm just going to repeat what they're saying in my mind um, and just let those other thoughts go by without judging or feeling guilty or bad about them. I'm just going to practice focusing fully on the conversation here and the ideas. Right. Right. Yeah. One thing my husband said about his exposure to porn as a teen, you know, with like the sleepovers back before phones when they just pulled yeah. the flowers out from underneath the beds. Yeah. Was that, um, I think, you know, he, he's one of the more innocent kids and he wasn't thinking about sex much on his own. Uh-huh. Um, but he said, looking at the pictures, the girls looked so sad. He said their eyes were just empty. And and he thought, well, how can you how can you look at these? They're clearly not into it. Um, and I don't know if that would be a way to I, I don't know if I had boys if that'd be a discussion to have or if that has to be more of an instinctual response. Yeah. But it seems like some boys are gonna notice that that exploitation basically right that that, that it's not authentic mm -hmm. they'll they'll be very sensitive to that and that in itself for him was a huge deterrent he's like how how could i how could i jerk off to this this isn't this isn't the thing right it, yeah and i think that 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 shows um like his formation right he was really attuned to the tr to the truth of the situation and um that's what I'm, that's what I'm talking about, right? Is he knew on an instinctive level, what sex is meant to be. And he knew that porn isn't it. So he was turned off by it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean, definitely his parents had never had any discussions with him. I just think his, yeah. um, he was just one of those naturally innocent people. Um, the, the joke is always that his brother, who was three and a half years younger, knew all the facts of life before, long before. And yeah. when we watch Marx Brothers movies, and I'm laughing at the innuendo, my husband will be like, oh, oh. <laughs> so, 
I, I'm in a similar situation. My husband just turned 50 and just in the past little while, <laughs> he's so, he's so sweet. Um, he'll just be sitting there. Um, sometimes we'll be chatting and then he'll blush and he'll think back. And he was like, I just remembered a situation from when I was in my twenties and that girl was flirting with me. <laughs> just like, <laughs> he's so embarrassed like he's just getting it now you know like yeah. oh she was flirting with me um so so yeah That's my cool. my husband is more of the the in of the late bloomer kind of innocent innocent yeah. soul yeah um yeah i mean so that maybe there's a different set of concerns with that because of course you could be you could be kind of taken advantage of if you if you were really clueless about that. But um, yeah, I know one mom. She's not here right now, but she knows a lot of the moms here. I think in um in a mom's online forum, she said that her husband was very uncomfortable, kind of initiating that discussion about like masturbation and stuff with her son. And so, um, cool, wouldn't be that's an conversation to have. Totally, totally. And so she ended up doing it. And her son was kind of like, okay, mom, I'm listening, but I can't look at you. Let's not look at each other while you tell me this. Or can I look away? Which was so sweet that he was he was willing, he was there for it. But he just said, mom, I've got to cope with this by not looking at you while we talk about this. And, but he didn't say, I don't want to hear this or anything like that. Yes. Yeah. I love that. Bravo to all parties involved. Right? <laughs> Bravo. Um, mom, child, husband, like respect all around, like props to everybody. Um, and I, I really think that it's important that we personally feel at peace when we're going to have the conversation. And one tip that I have heard and that I have used myself is if you're gonna engage in some, some of those like sticky conversations with kids, um, especially teenagers, go for a long drive or go for a walk, something where you're both oriented the same direction and you can have a conversation without facing each other. So that does tend to be um, so it takes sort of some of the pressure off. So I see Nicole has her hand. Um, yeah, um, just with Jen mentioning that about fathers, because uh, I see in my son that he's getting curious about girls already, um, just about their bodies. You know, he has no awareness himself yet. Um, and I've been trying to discuss with my husband, you can see this, you're going to need to prepare, you know, talks with him. And, you know, I don't have that plumbing. I, I don't think it should be from me if he has a father. Um, but obviously, my husband comes from the family where his father basically, you know, there, there was no moral code. He was just told, you know, if you're going to do it, make sure you cover it. And that's yeah. it. Yeah. And of course, my husband was also one of the more innocent people who would never look or disrespect a girl. And he I know that he doesn't have anything 
to work from. Mm. And I, I did pick him up a book of like the basic uh, things to cover as mm-hmm. far, you know, taking out only what applies to our, our Catholic faith, um, how, how he can explain his son's body with him mm-hmm. on his, in his own way. But I can see he's avoiding it. And yeah. I know this is coming. And I, yes. I it's just better to be prepared um, so that you can feel more confident. And I'm just at, I wanted to ask, like, how how can we help the dads, um, at least the ones who haven't had to do this yet, um, yeah. tackle that with confidence? That's a wonderful question, Nicole. And um, it's something that is an that is um, also happening in our family. Like I mentioned, my son is tr- his. He's 12 and a half now and he's shooting up, his voice is changing, his skin is starting to break out a little bit and, um, you know, his body is changing and the conversation that I want to have or that I've I've been really prompting my husband to have with him is, um, you know, I, I really want you to explain what a wet dream is to him so that he's not traumatized when he wakes up having had an, you know, this experience and um, that it's not like a scary thing for him. And, and my husband is in a similar situation. Like he's very innocent. He's very um, reluctant to have that conversation and Oh, so much. I can't. Okay. So first of all, we can't, we can't, make anybody do anything so we can request our for our husbands to have these conversations with their sons and we can make the case for it right we can say as you mentioned like I don't have this experience I don't have this plumbing so I don't even necessarily know the right way to explain it right um and I really it's like I do know that that what you just mentioned is coming yeah I don't I don't know as a woman because I don't, I don't know. I was a homeschooling mom. I, I don't have all that much time to go back yeah. and read textbooks on when does this happen in boys exactly and all yeah. of that. But I, 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 I'm just saying because I really don't want to have that conversation and I'm yeah. such a chicken. <laughs> um, and I, and again, I think sons don't want to have that conversation with their moms. Yeah. And I guess I'm in avoidance mode. Um, and I don't want to go to the desperation mode mm-hmm. and then have to blurt something out uh, in the wrong light, um, in, in the wrong way, because I feel pushed because right. time ran out. And like you just said, Um, you don't want them to have the experience and then wake up with, I guess it would probably be feelings of disgust or shame. Like, what did I just do? Yeah, exactly. Shame. And so I think there are different ways we can frame this. Just as a, just as a life coach, um, I don't know if you guys have had exposure to life coaching, but what happens is 
there's a, a framework for thinking about things called the model. And I'll just go through it really briefly and then highlight how it applies to our conversation here. So there's five parts to the model. The first part is the circumstance. So in uh, the circumstance is just a neutral sort of factual thing that's happening in our life. So in our circumstance, it could be, you know, our sons are maturing and that we have requested for our husbands to have this conversation with our sons, right? That's our circumstance, right? And then we have a series of thoughts about that circumstance. So a couple that you mentioned, Nicole, were I really don't want to have that conversation with my son. I don't want to do it the wrong way. And I don't want to feel pushed because time is running out, right? So those are some of the thoughts that you mentioned. And um, when we have thoughts, like that we we end up they generate feelings like they trigger feelings for us so one of your feelings um that you mentioned could potentially be pushed like i feel pushed and the thought there would be time i have to do this because time is running out right so we say i have to do this because time is running out and we feel pushed and then from that feeling we take action um and so if we're feeling pushed and like, I have to do this because time is running out. The action that we take might be sort of like a scrambly, hasty, um, awkward conversation, right? And the result is that we have the conversation, but we feel like we're, we're like we've been pushed into it. Like it, it, it doesn't feel good, right? Um, another result might be that we come to resent our husbands for not doing it because we want them to, right? Um, so one thing that we can do is just be aware that the thoughts that we have about these conversations are going to affect how we show up. So if I'm thinking, um, I really don't want to have that conversation, the result is I'm not going to, I'm not going to engage in that conversation. Right. Where that thought is a choice. So we could come into the situation and we could say, all right, I know that this is happening. I want to do what's best for my child. I've made this request of my husband. I've bought a book for him. I've given him the time. I've encouraged him. And but I know that ultimately I can't make him have this conversation. So what we can do is just take responsibility and take charge. And one thing that is an option is to change our thought about it and to make sure that whatever feeling, whatever thought we have brings up a feeling of um, empowerment, peace, love, um, certainty, I would say. So for me, a thought that that comes up would be like because what we both want is what's best for our sons right yeah. right so what we both want is that our sons are prepared for this experience and when i think you know it's better coming from me than not at all I feel differently about that than 
there's a wrong way to do this, or I really don't want to have this conversation, right? Or if I think this is really important, um, or my son really needs this, then those feelings of um, maybe being pushed fade a little bit. And then I feel like when I'm like, you know, this is really important. Um, it's important for my son. His name is Jonah. Like, I don't want Jonah to have this traumatic experience. And if my husband's not willing to do this, um, I'm the next best person. Got it. Yeah. So how did that land, Nicole? Like, what do you... I totally, yeah, you totally like, because you, you kind of nailed, um, summarizing, uh, my thoughts and feelings and then, uh, just chopping it up like that and, and turning and asking myself some questions really about why, why am I, you know, so mentally worked up, not, um, in, 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 if I if I bring it to my mind, I'm mentally worked up and worrying about it. Mm -hmm. um, but just you kind of just diffused all of the the workings um, that I've constructed in my head. Mm -hmm. So you really just deconstructed it into those those bite sized pieces of of why it's important, why um, kind of less the worrying about, I don't want to do it, as opposed to saying, well, I can do it. And basically, I will do it if I have to, because I love my son more than um, I, I will um, do it in a poor way um, to, to confuse or really mentally injure him um, with the, the facts of life of his own body, uh, you know, as he's growing and maturing. Yeah. So that, that's really interesting, Nicole, like, and like that thought there that you could damage him by having the conversation with him. Like, is that true? Well, I'm coming from a, a, a set of parents who said nothing about my body um, yeah. kept me away from any classes in school yeah. that were teaching anything yeah. um, for their own reasoning. And that sex was just a no. I have no context. I am so poor in that department. So it is a massive concern, um, yeah. because not just for me, but many of my siblings walked yeah. into like, really leaving home for college and being so unprepared for, for the culture and yeah. how it affect each and every one of us, some better than others. Yeah. Um, so, so that's where I use that kind of strong language because that's uh, where I'm coming from. Yeah. And do you know what I think is, can actually be a strength for you here is, um, is the thought I was so unprepared I don't want that for my son, right? Is that true? Like, am I, am I connecting it, that? It, it is true, but I also know that I go like emotionally overboard. So the way you kind of 
broke it up made me look at myself and go, oh, okay, I, I do have control. It's not an anxiety attack here. It doesn't have to be um, just calm down. Yes. Just go be calm. Just yeah. you can do this um, <laughs> or you can help enable your husband too. Yes. Yes. A hundred percent. And um, so in, in the, in the course that I'm developing that you just sort of affirmed something that I have been thinking. Um, I have sort of seven modules laid out. And the first one is prayer, because I think anytime we're looking at these sorts of issues and these sorts of situations, that's just the best place to start. And then the second one is perspective. And that has us standing in the truth and just being really grounded in the truth of who God is, that he has created us as sexual beings. It's part of our plan, that it's a beautiful thing, that we're temples of the Holy Spirit, um, and that God ultimately has conquered, right? I think there's a, there's a fear sort of when we look at porn culture or we look at our children's changing bodies, that, that we start to just really focus on what can go wrong and on sort of the, the porn culture and like the culture of death. Right. But the truth is if we, if we stand in that eternal perspective that, that God's already won, right. Through, through his death and resurrection, he's already conquered all of that. And that those graces are available to us in the moment. So the first step would be prayer. And then the second would be like getting getting that perspective. And then the third one would be peace. And this would be peace for yourself because when we, when, when we think about our own experiences growing up and our own experiences of sex, um, it can be very triggering can be very triggering and feel very dangerous. And so we really want to honor and acknowledge that and, um, and get ourselves to a state where we feel at peace. Um, and there are different ways that we can do that. Coaching um, is one way, like Nicole, like the conversation that we had where we just sort of broke down the thoughts and, and saw um, how they were triggering feelings and results. Um, it can just take that drama out of the situation. Um, so once we're at peace, then we take a look at parenting. Right. So we start with prayer, we get our perspective, we find our own personal peace, and then we can parent from there. Right. That's when we look at at our kids. Um, so then we have preemptive conversations with our children, like the one that we're hoping to have with our sons. You know, this is coming. We want to prepare you. Um, having conversations with them about theology of the body, you were created this way, your desires are healthy, um, your body is good. Um, and then also conversations about protocols, like what to do if like, hey, so if you wake up in the morning, and this has happened, this is what you're going to do. You know, you're just going to take a deep breath. You're going to just say a little prayer. You're going to come tell me I'm going to help you, you know, wash your sheets and you're going to go have a shower. And then, you know, we can talk about it if you want. 
kind of thing. Like just give them something like, if this happens, this is what you do. If you encounter pornography, this is what you're going to do. Um, if you're having a conversation with a girl and feeling aroused, this is what you're going to do. Kind of putting those protocols in place. And that's part of the parenting piece. Um, and then we can look at porn. The next part would be looking at porn, the big picture, sort of in the culture, what it is, why people use it, why it's problematic, um, that kind of thing. And then finally, the last two are prudence. And prudence um, is wisdom in action. Isn't that beautiful? <laughs> putting, putting wisdom in action. And so that would be like filters, technology in your home, um, having conversations with your, with your children, um, looking at recommended resources like the book that, that you talked about, or I have a, there's one here called um, Good Pictures, Bad Pictures that has sort of a model conversation that you can have about pornography and a sample protocol for what to do if you encounter pornography um, in it. So that would be part of prudence. And then finally, praxis, which is just putting the theory into practice and living it out. Um, so that's my idea and my sort of way of looking at it. I would, I would love to hear what you guys think and your thoughts or um, any further questions that you have. Hi, this is Sarah. Um, I, I think it sounds great. It sounds, um, super interesting. I, I can't wait to hear all of it. Um, and yeah, I think it sounds ordered and simple and straightforward, at least from what you outlined there. Um, I look forward to seeing more of the details in each. I think, I think at least I'm a pretty practical person. I yeah. would say the practical like words to, to, to use and, and, um, that would probably be the most, uh, what I'm looking forward to listening to the most, I would say. Yeah. But yeah. Would you, so would the, examples, the examples you just gave were great. Um, I, I'm another one whose husband is not, it doesn't have a lot of words, I guess, to use on this topic. And so I've also, I can definitely sympathize with Nicole, like, well, what do I do? Do I do it? Do I, you know, that type of thing. Um, Anyway, so, but yeah, I think what you just outlined there sounds really good. Yeah, so Sarah, I am also sort of more practical bent. I'm like, yeah, I always want to skip. I always want to skip this. <laughs> Tell me what to do, right? Like, um, yeah. would you, I know, and I, I remember when Jen and I had our initial conversation, she wanted words, she said exactly what you do, you did. Like, tell me what words to use. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tell me what words to use. So that's actually your, your feedback is really helpful. I really appreciate that. Um, and I, part of, I've done so many, so many different things. Like my, I'm a teacher, but I'm also a drama teacher. So like role playing and like scripting and stuff. I think that is really interesting. So putting together um, some words to use, I think would be really yeah, Interesting. I think it's helpful even as a jumping off place. I mean, I, I know that I, in the past, when talking to 
my girls have read what other people, you know, either books or heard from friends, what they've said, and just being able to, to read that, think on that, adapt it to my particular circumstances if I want to, or sometimes I use it directly is, has been super, super helpful. Yeah. Um, and Sarah, you must've had some of these conversations to some extent because your oldest boy is 17. Yes, definitely. The topics has definitely been brought up and um, it's just so interesting to see how uh, girls and boys are different, what their yeah. reaction is, um, how things, you know, they're just, they're just all, all, all kids are different. <laughs> you know, it's um, anyway. So, but um, I, so I have an older set of boys, a 17 year old and a 15 and a half year old. And then I have a younger set of boys and they are six and four. And then I have a, a new, you know, a little tiny baby boy, a nine month old, eight month old. But anyway, um, it, it, it is interesting to see what I might, you know, think about what I might do differently with the younger set or how the younger set is going to be different than the older set. Um, well, and we'll anyway, be so. by the older boys too, right? Because kids have those conversations themselves. Yes. Yes. Which is there, there, there's a pretty big gap in between them. Um, I I'm sure they'll, that will affect the younger boys, you know, in various ways. Um, yeah. but it, yeah, that's something that we are just starting to experience now where we have a couple of college age girls and they're leaving and coming back. And I'm thinking, you oh, know, yeah, so this is this, my, my, younger girls are going to have very different experiences than my older ones did because they have the example of the older ones. Um, yeah. So it's just interesting to think about and see it unfold. Um, I tend to be a proactive type person. So having these, um, I mean, this is just a, you know, sex and everything is just a, a, a I think kind of challenging topic in parenting. So I'm always kind of gathering resources and, and um, wherever I can. Yeah, because it, I have a bunch of kids and it's not going to go away. I might as well, um, you know, deal with it. Hug, hug the monster, I think is my phrase. <laughs> hug the monster? <laughs> so anyway, um, yeah. What, what I heard from you now, it was fantastic. And I, I would definitely be interested in, you know, um, hearing more of the details of your course. And your courses, all of the ones you mentioned all sounded really interesting. Um, yeah, I'm yeah, always so excited when I see a Catholic getting into this. So <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Definitely like you, you, what you presented as far as what you've done so far um, is of great interest to me. And I know of several other mothers I know. So. Yeah, that's great. Well, I appreciate that. Oh, does anyone else have any other questions or comments, Christina or Bonnie or Jen? Um, I was just going to add, R Rhonda, you've primarily been coaching people one-on-one -on -one, um, up to this point. And so what is the age range so far um, that have you been, have you been working primarily with adults, but then hearing about their struggles, then if they already have the struggle themselves, they would feel even more awkward. I mean, I think everyone in this room probably is not struggling with it so proximately, but we have our general awkwardness about it, right? But then if you were talking to an adult who's a parent 
and then they're also struggling with this, they would feel awkward in even a different way having these discussions with their teen. Yeah, it just compounds over time, right? Like the more, um, I was thinking about about this this morning um, and trying to come up with like a good analogy for it. And the analogy I came up with is, so my husband is hard of hearing and he wears hearing aids and then both of us wear glasses. Right. And so I, I never tried to have a conversation with him until I verify that his hearing aids are in and that he's not listening to like a podcast or something because they're Bluetooth. So even if he's wearing them, I can't always tell if he's listening to something else. So if I want to have a conversation with him, I always like, okay, are your hearing aids in? Are you list- like, are you free? Are, you- are the airwaves clear? Um, that kind of thing. And, um, I think these conversations that we want to have with our kids are the same sort of way, except for because we live in a broken world and because we've all been wounded and especially like sexual wounds, um, even like not knowing what sex was and getting married, like that can be traumatic, right? Like just even normal, healthy sex can be traumatic, just like normal, healthy birth can be traumatic. So we just really want to to be aware that our experiences um, and because we live in a wounded world, it's as though we have hearing hearing loss and are visually impaired, right? Like both my husband and I wear glasses. <laughs> so it's like, we, we need to put on our hearing aids and put on our glasses, like really get clear, make sure that we're hearing from the Lord and can see clearly and are feeling like that we're in a state where we're able to communicate. And then we need to do the same for our kids and make sure like, are you in a state where you can listen? Are you in a state where you can receive? And then um, sort of set the stage for that conversation. So that's why I think that personal peace, like finding personal peace is just really so important. And coaching is just a really powerful way to do that. And it doesn't matter who you are. If you are a human who's alive, you probably have experienced some form of sexual like of trauma or injury or wound related to sex, whether it's your physical appearance and someone said something mean or a feeling of rejection or a pattern of sexual sin, or somebody did something to you at some point in your life um, that was, that was injurious. And so I just think that because God is so beautiful and so gracious that he uses these situations as invitations for healing, right? So having these really difficult conversations or parenting these these beautiful people that he's given us through puberty and into their own sort of um, sexual identity is really an opportunity for us to heal, for us to heal our wounds and for us to get really clear about his about his vision for us and for our lives and for our sexuality and for our children and for their sexuality. Um, Yeah, and that's why I feel really strongly about getting these materials ready and out to the world. Well, thank you so much. I I bet this could be your beta testing group. So, you know, if you have certain videos or whatever, 
Uh, yeah, I was, back I'm on. curious. When do you plan to have it ready? I'm g- gunning for like ASAP. I'm really hoping okay. for the very, if not sooner. So, okay. I'm hoping to have all of the courses sort of launched in the first quarter, but that's really ambitious. Because, so we'll see. But I do want to offer, um, ladies, I'll send a link to Jen. And um, I do offer everyone, just everyone who comes across me and my work, one, one 60 minute coaching session for free so if you would are interested in that for yourself on any topic it doesn't have to be around like sex and pornography but just to experience life coaching or if something has come up for you during this conversation or in thoughts about going forward with this like please use that link book a call with me and you can We'll, we'll chat, we'll spend an hour together um, praying and chatting and coaching and um, helping to just bring some awareness to those issues for you. Thank you, that's great. Yeah, yeah thank you so much. I bet, I bet you're gonna get, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna email this recording out to the rest of the moms group. If everyone's comfortable having it put on the podcast i'll put it on the podcast and then even more people will hear it or different people um the moms um and then maybe some of those moms that couldn't be here today will listen to it and also reach out to you yeah that would be great i'm fine with that jen okay all right thank you yes agreed okay okay well let's wrap it up and um and see whatever follow-up questions and then Rhonda will keep us posted. And thank you so much, everybody, for coming and listening. Thank you, everybody. Yeah. Take care. Take care. Bye. Thank you.